Hey everybody, 101 Jason, and now I've ruined our intro again by saying your name. I'm Joel, with me as always is... <laughs> hey guys, what's going on? It's Jason. And we're the Board Game Mechanics, and if you decided, if you're that guy, welcome aboard. If you're the one who said, you know what, let's see if these guys can get 100 episodes under their belt real quick, and then and then, then I'll give them a chance to get my <laughs> listen. If, if that's you, hey, welcome aboard. Uh, our intros aren't always this weird, but this week it is, so... Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I mean, you got that to look forward to, guys. Uh, we just finished our top 100 games, Jason, and that was grueling at points. It felt like. So we're going to be done with top... Wait, what's our topic <laughs> this week? It may be a top... Uh, I think it's a top nine. Nah, there we go. <laughs> we're looking at the decade, because it's obligatory. You have to look at the decade, I think. But then the other piece, too, is we aren't going to hit 2019, because I think... We need to hit our 2019 games yet, and correct the way how we do it here at the board game mechanics is we go S into S in. So some of these games might be 2018s in our 2019 list, but it's because we live here in North America, and so some of the stuff like I'm trying to think here. Like, okay, I know you have one that's an honorable mention, but I'm pretty sure it was a Quacks release. I mean, a, a S in release um, last year. So yeah, that's correct. Yes. So it might be eligible for 2019. I don't know. Uh, anyway. Uh, that's about it, man. I, I don't know. How zany are you feeling? Uh, I'm okay. I mean, I mean, I'm not usually the zany one, really. We're, but. we're pulling the curtain back here just for a second. Hey, Jason, how was your Christmas? Oh, you can't tell me because we're recording too early. Yeah, we're <laughs> recording way before Christmas because of the holiday. So I feel like yeah. we just recorded, but that's okay. Uh, we're back in the studio <laughs> yep. and there is no studio. That's the other curtain that's getting pulled back for you. So, um, <laughs> That is true. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah. That's. I mean, that's that's about it. You know. Uh, you know you, what though? Yeah. What? You know what's happening in January, Jason? What is happening in January? Protospiel in South Bend. Uh, that's it's not be happening awesome, in dude. January. It's happening in February. But in January, you you might go to register for Protospiel, and you might go, Ah, nerds! I lost my early bird discount. Well. Guess what? We got your back. Uh, riveted, the code Riveted will get you that early word pricing even in January. So tell them Joel and Jason sent you, and they'll they'll say who, but then put in <laughs> Riveted, and they'll give you a little money off. So that'll be good. <laughs> yeah. Capital R. I don't know if that matters, but we'll say that. Yeah. And that'll get you a little discount if you want to get Protospiel tickets. Uh, we'll have a link up for that on our Facebook, and we'll tweet that a little bit. Um, but it seems like a fun time. I'm going to be at that at least for a day. So, um, if you're around and you see me say hi, for sure. Say hi to me. Um, I really enjoy people like board games really is just a way for me to become social and talk to people and meet people. So that's my favorite thing is to meet new people. Uh, Jason, I don't know if we can get you here or not. I know we're talking about your writer with those green M&Ms and then one red. (laughs) I don't know if they, they said they could do that for you or not, but. I yeah. hope so. I don't know. We'll see. I'm going to try to come. I yeah, I don't know with like the band schedule and stuff if I'll be able to make it, but I'm going to try. Very cool. Uh, did I miss anything on that, Jason? I don't think so. That sounds like everything uh, that we were told to say. So, yeah, good job. I think we're going to try and get the uh, chairperson of this local event, national event gone local to me uh, on the show here before the thing actually happens so you guys can hear a little bit about it too. So stay tuned for that. Okay, so since it's Christmas time, I thought maybe there would be some good stuff on Kickstarter. 
that people would want to back for Christmas presents. I thought wrong, and there was nothing on Kickstarter that I found interesting, except for one thing, and it's sort of game-related because it's shaped like game pieces, and they're called Meeple Coasters by Three Mates Games. Uh, They're just coasters that are shaped like meeples. Uh, They unlocked a stretch goal that has Baby Yoda, if you've been watching The Mandalorian. You know, you know what Baby Yoda is. So that's he's everywhere. Cool. He is everywhere for sure. Um, so these have six days to go from the time this episode drops, and you can get two of them for twelve dollars. You can pay more if you want more, but the basic pledge level, which is what I always talk about, is twelve dollars. So if that sounds fun and interesting, something to jazz up your game night, go check it out. Meeple coasters, Kickstarter now. All right. Are these okay? I didn't look at these at all. Are these just meeple shaped coasters? And there's no like fancy, they suction cup onto the bottom of your cup and make your cup spill proof or anything gimmicky like that? Or just quality meeple shaped? Stick it on your table and don't leave a ring on there. I'm pretty sure they're just quality meeple shaped. I didn't see anything about spill proof or anything. So yeah. they just look they just look nice. Because those are all goofy gimmicks. Just saying. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just want my cup to not leak on the table. Yeah, that's all I care about. That cold, frosty beverage, getting its condensation on. Uh, fair enough, man, for sure. Uh, Jason, I, here's a real quick one, too. I want to make sure people are clear on this. If you're doing some last-second Christmas shopping, first of all, I'm pretty sure the show came out two days after Christmas because <laughs> of time machines and stuff. <laughs> But actually, you're exactly right, because two days after Christmas is when Kickstarters need to be happening, so they're ready for next Christmas. So this might be a good Christmas present. And here's another final pro tip for you. I don't know if you guys have been around the Kickstarter much. If you want a game for Christmas for next year, make sure the fulfillment for it is February of 2020, because then it'll get there like two days before Christmas, because that 11 months delay is pretty average. So um, yeah, at least that's been my experience. (laughs) Yeah, I actually think this Meeple one's supposed to be like June. Oh. So, yeah, who knows? It, it might be around for Passover 2021. <laughs> You're not wrong. You know what, though? Eagle Griffin on Mars, it, it got here exactly on time. Yeah, that's now, crazy, man. The next big one I'm hoping for, smartphone. We'll see if it gets here on time or not. Rococo, but, man. That'd be cool. Oh, yeah, that one's not even starting till March, right? Uh, I thought, yeah, sometime, yeah. I gotta save my my pennies for that one, bud. I need a copy of that game, and I'm, if I'm gonna pay a hundred bucks for one, I might as well get the new one instead of the old one that's just a hundred bucks still. For sure. I don't know. I don't want to have to pay a hundred bucks either way. So maybe I'll just wait and do the Jason technique. <laughs> it works, man. <laughs> Find that Eggert spiel for seventeen dollars. After the new one comes out, maybe I don't know. Well, cool. Yep. Very cool. So with it being the holiday season here, we thought maybe we would take a week off of having you guys call in. We'll be back with that segment again soon. But anyway, how about you? What did you been play? What, what did you been play? I think is what I just said to you. <laughs> what have you been playing? Um, I haven't been playing a ton, but I did manage to get a couple games in. Well, we'll say a game and a half in last weekend. So I'm going to talk about two, but one of them is so small that it's going to take like 30 seconds to talk about and then I'll talk about another one. So the first one I played is a party game. And it's from the company that does Tortuga and Salem and Deadwood. And it's called Trophies. Mm. And this is a game where somebody's a judge. You're going to be reading a category off the back of the card. And on the front of the card, there's a big letter. 
and all the other players have to shout out, be the first person to shout out whatever the category is with that letter first. So say it's like snack food and the letter's D, somebody could shout out Doritos, and if they said it first, they get the card. Whoever has the most cards at the end of the game is the winner, and they get this really nice, heavy, tiny metal trophy, which is awesome. The components of this game are really cool for a party game. So that's that one. If you like party games, it'll be cool. So... If we ever do a list called Joel's games that he just doesn't want to play, like makes him want to go play Pokemon Shield on his Nintendo, uh, Nintendo, what are we on? Switch now? Nintendo Switch? Yeah. Um, those games would include Outburst and Scategories, which this one sounds like it's an exact blend of those two. <laughs> yeah, it's it's similar, yes. That is true. It's not awful because you can play it in like 10 minutes, so yeah. at least the pain's over fast. Yeah, no, it sounds like it's probably better than either of those games, but I'm not sure this one's for me. For sure. Uh, but another game that I played that I I really enjoy, and it's from Dr. Finn's Games, um, and it's called School of Sorcery, which is a reimplementation of the Institute of Magical Arts. Uh, it's a two-player-only game, and what you're trying to do is in this game is you're trying to get these collections of cards, and you're doing it through some dice rolling and some interesting card placement. So there are six cards out on the table, and they each represent one through six on the dice. You're trying to roll these dice, and then you're going to play a card trying to determine how much of your influence you want to put on each of these cards to win the cards in your favor. So some of the cards are going to let you put one influence down all the way up to three. Some of the cards are going to be a bluff where you your opponent might think you're going to put something down, but you put nothing down. And some of the cards are going to let you flip your die to the other side. So you're really going to target a different card than the one you were planning on targeting. And you're, tra- you're going to do this until somebody hits 13 points. And every card you get has a certain amount of points based on how hard it is to get. And then once you hit 13, it's the end of the game. Plays in about 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Super fun. Um, One of the better two-player games I've played. It's really interesting and fun, and I like it. And this version will be hitting Kickstarter in January, and we'll have a video on our YouTube channel. So School of Sorcery. Yeah, deception and bluffing kind of games with two are really hard to pull off, and it sounds like this one kind of found a way to do that to a degree. Oh, so it does. That's it's really, really cool. It's really good. Yeah, very very cool. And it doesn't seem like super heavy either. It seems like it's a pretty light game still with that even. So For sure. Very cool. Uh, I'm going to do an audible here. I know what the notes say, Jason. I know you're probably ready to talk about that one, but maybe another week for that one. I'm going to talk about Poser, the game Poser. Uh, You said party games, so I'm going to talk about Poser. Poser comes in a VHS tape box, which is awesome. That Um, is awesome. (laughs) And it has super awesome 80s, like 16-bit art kind of almost. Or I don't know. It's real basic color palette art, but it's really good. It's by Yoko Honda, who's a really big-time artist uh, doing this particular little limited print release game. This whole game is this. It's Spyfall, which Spyfall is a game where you're given a location and then one person has a card that says you're the spy and you have to figure out where you're at. That's kind of fun. But if you play with people like my dad, who's not super creative, he um, <laughs> he always asks, do you have a gun? Is the first question he has every time. So uh, that doesn't work well when you're out of school. So um, Or church or I guess Boondock Saints, that does work well at a church. That's true. Um, so he always asks, do you have a gun? That's his first question, which is, you know, I guess a question you can ask. Um, but this game takes that and it tweaks it a little bit. And it says, 
here's who we are. Here's the clique that we are from the 80s. We're the nerds, the jocks, you know, John Hughes films kind of things. Uh, the, the jocks, the nerds, the punks, the skateboarders. And it, you flip over cards that give you like a little scenario that happens. So it's like you're at Blockbuster Video and all your favorite copies of all the good movies are gone. What happens next? I don't know. Like that was a bad example. But there's a little scenario that happens that kind of gets the ball, ball rolling a little bit. And then it just kind of tells you where you're at and what's happening. And then you have to play like you're one of those groups like, oh, man, what am I going to do without being able to see Star Wars for the 50th time? And that'd be kind of too obvious. You'd be like, oh, this guy's a nerd. And the person who's the poser who doesn't know what group he's in would be like, nerds, you guys are nerds. I win. Um, But it's that whole nuance of like trying to make it kind of obvious, but not too obvious. But I think that the fact that it gets the ball rolling and then like it's like a social subculture kind of thing makes it even a little more fun than Spyfall to me. So I think it took the idea of Spyfall, which is a really cool idea, but made it more accessible probably to other people. And then it also just kind of it made it more fun, in my opinion. Um, So that's Poser. Really cool art in it, too. And the packaging and the VHS tape box. Pretty cool, too. So that's what I played and I enjoyed it. That's cool. Did you actually get the production copy of this? Yeah. So we oh, had Alex Herity cool. on the podcast about a year ago. And just as a little thank you, he's like, hey, let me send you a copy. And I'm going to do a review of this one at some point. Um, but yeah, it, it's finished. It's fulfilled from Kickstarter. Um, and yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, this would actually be one. Like, I don't love party games, but I think this one would be kind of interesting just because the, the theme is cool. Yeah, for sure. And 80s stuff is really fun because like, I lived that a little bit. And I'm nostalgic for it. Um, I don't remember the 80s a ton. Like, I was like 0 to 10 because I was, you know, born in 80. People are doing the math. They know I'm going to be turning 40 next year. <laughs> um, but I I, I don't know. I, uh, I do, like, I don't know. I miss it. Like, I wish that I was older. Like, I looked up to the teenagers in the 80s, so it's a chance for me to pretend like I'm a teenager in the 80s. So that's, that's that. Poser, pretty fun. Cool palette. All kinds of stuff. So, Jason, it's the end of a decade here. Uh, and with the end of a decade, I think we have an obligatory have to do a top game of the last 10 years um, kind of thing. So we just went over our top 100 games. People probably could pull that list up and be like, you're a liar. You said this game was higher than that one. But I just looked at it every year and just said, this is my favorite game that came out that year. And I think you did the same thing. Yep. And then I also added a little bit of tiny bonus content here. I, I have the highest game on, according to Board Game Geek, on my list as well. So um, we can kind of just get a flavor for what was happening the year that we picked the games we picked. I also put those in because there's going to be a, just so much overlap on this list. Like I was punching my name like, oh, there's another that we matched on and another we matched on. And okay, another. So uh, it gives us at least a couple games from each year to talk about. So we, I guess we start in 2010. Uh, Dominant Species, number 52, is the highest ranked game from from 2010 so 2010 wasn't a real great year for games it seems although the game that you and i picked i love and i think it should be higher than 52 really so i agree you want to start sure so the game i picked and well you already said the game you picked is twa or you can call it troyes whatever you want to call it yeah um this you is want to uh, be wrong yeah this is from pearl games i think uh it was re-implemented kind of by black angel i don't know right. if it's a re-implement or a sequel whatever uh, we've talked about it already. It's a dice drafting game where you can buy other people's dice to take actions. There's also some little worker placement stuff that you can collect points and all that, and you're fighting some baddies. It's a really cool game with funky art. 
super fun, and I like it. It has your kind of fighting bad guys because it's putting cubes onto a track to fight bad guys. Yep, I like it. Uh, it's got an expansion <laughs> called Ladies of Tw- of Twa, I think, and it's that adds a lot to the game, I think. And I think with that, the game's much better. It adds this purple die that you can use as any color. It adds some more cards and stuff, and then it adds these tiles you can put on the outside of the board where you can go around the spots on the outside of the castle to try and get the extra tiles to do stuff for you. Um, so it adds quite a bit to the game. I would say those tiles around the outside edge of the board are probably the the module I would add last, but all those cards they add are all really good, and the purple die is, I think, almost essential. Like I won't play without that purple die now because I think that really does help a ton. So that's that's Troyes, ugh, or <sighs> Trois, if you want to sound cool like us. Right. Um, I don't know. Is it Trois? Yeah, I think it is. I, I think it's Trois, yeah. It's some city in France. Yeah. So at any rate, that's our number 2010. Is that how that works? Anyway. Sure. Uh, 2011, Jason. Castles of Burgundy, number 15, is the hot game of that year. People still love this game. I think I need to probably try this one again because my change, my tastes have changed enough. Like Dominant Species at 52, I, I played that game back in like 2011 and I was like, man, this is just a lot. Like with like having to remember the sides of the hexes and how things interact and just all this stuff. Right. I felt like it was kind of a lot. I want to try it again because I think I might like it by now. Um, but I, I think Castles is one that I've got to play again too. And I, I don't know. I played it. I got it. I got it to play with my wife because everyone's like, oh, it's not our ideal like couples game. Just roll these die and put them on and so cool. Well, <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know. It's it's not that. T- it was really dry. And yeah, like, really I dry. just, I don't know. I didn't like it that much. Um, but I think it's definitely a beautiful design and I may have to check it out again. My game I did like from 2011 though, Jason, is one that you don't like. Uh, it's a 4X game called Eclipse. It's really economy in space. Um, you're trying to develop technologies and get more resources and use them to get better technologies and then make your ships really awesome so that if you have to, you can blow people up, but you want to keep going exploring throughout space. And there's like kind of interesting things on the map too. It's, it's hexes that you flip with a Forex game. Who would have thought, right? Um, but there's like wormholes and tesseract kind of things that happen where you can, you know, zip through space certain ways or block out space in certain ways. So it's an interesting how the strategy, interesting game, how the strategies play out as the game gets exposed and and you know as you start settling other planets and things like that. So there was a real big space kick around this time too. This game still I think is okay. It was just really hyped up in 2011, but I still like it quite a bit. Um, that's my 2011 pick. I haven't played this, and I always thought it was just like a Euro game in space. But you said it has some battling, so I'm out. Li- I like so little, man. All right, well, maybe I'll be back in. Uh, So my game from 2011 is a game that I really do enjoy, and I play it, you know, a lot for being a 2011 game. And it's called Takenoko, which we've talked about on our list. I'm pretty sure it was on both of our lists. And this is a game that uh, it's a, I don't know, you're putting these um, irrigation tiles down. You're trying to grow bamboo to get this panda to eat the bamboo. You're trying to get the little gardener guy to go over to grow some bamboo better, all that. And, and there's, then there's an arbitrary weather die that's going to do something for you. You're just trying to fulfill contracts by eating certain colors of bamboo. It's super simple to play. It looks amazing on the table. And I like it a lot. So my game for 2011, Takenoko. Yeah, very good. Uh, Takenoko is an awesome, like almost forgotten family weight 
gateway ish game. Super cute. The way how you move on the board with the the panda and the the gardener, really fun. I uh, enjoyed this one quite a bit actually, Jason. So good pick. 2012. We're zipping right through these years. 2012 was War of the Ring, number 12. Um, wow, good that's game. High. That's high. Yeah, I, I know. It's a good game, um, but not for me. Um, I, I think being a Lord of the Rings fan helps with that, and I am, but I'm not obsessed. Um, my pick for this, this year, Jason, was Terra Mystica, um, which I've just, I just finished talking about that one on the top 100. It's basically you're terraforming the world to make the land match the kind of creatures you have. So the example you gave, and I thought it was good, was mermaids want to have water. You know what I mean? And like dwarves want rock or caves or something. I don't know. But all your different factions want different kinds of land that match what they are. Um, and you do that through different mechanisms in the game. I, the thing I really like about it is you take things off the board, your production gets better, and you get better at doing things, which is symbolic. Like if you, I mean, to make an oversimplification, if you have like 15 magic stores out there, you're going to be really good at getting magic, you know, so or whatever. So um, Terra Mystica, my 2012 game. And then I just put like a little like parenthetical aside. This was the year Netrunner came out, which was like such a big deal that year. That year was, in my mind, the year of your game that you're going to mention and then Netrunner. So I didn't know where the rings really high. That's a second edition even. So I would say Netrunner is very, very high. That game, I, I was a little late to that one. And by that, I mean, I started playing maybe in 2014. And there was so much vocabulary and there was so much involved with that game that I could never get caught up to play it with people and be competitive at all. But I know people love that game and it's a good game. And if you can just go find a couple base sets and just play it as the base set and not try and play it competitively, it's a pretty fun game. But the only problem with it is this. There's certain cards in there. Like the whole game is, I don't know how much you know about the game, but you're playing as either a hacker or a corporation. And when you're playing as a corporation, you're putting up like firewalls basically to try and keep them from hacking into your corporation and stealing your, you know, corruption secrets or whatever is going on in there. But there's sometimes where like you hide things behind firewalls. And if you flip that card over, it's like, hey, if this thing's true, then you just lost the game. And so like the existence of those cards makes it really frustrating for people who are learning the game because you're like, wait, I didn't have a clue that that was even a possibility. So, and that's a slight exaggeration, but not much of one. Like there are just like almost instant lost cards in there. If you don't know they exist, they can really screw you. So, uh, Terra Mystica is really my pick, but Netrunner is one that was intriguing that came out that year. Yeah, that's cool. I like Terra Mystica. Never played Netrunner and probably won't. Uh, my game from 2012 is Zulkin, which I'm pretty sure I just talked about last week. So Amazing I'm not... Pick. <laughs> I'm not going to beat the dead horse. It has gears, it has mines, it has some cool time traveling workers to get better goods. You listen to last week if you want to know more about it, but it's a great game and I dig it. So 2012 Zolkin. 2013 and 14 are going to be interesting years for us to talk about. Uh, 2013, <laughs> the highest game is Concordia. My game is Concordia. I love this game. We've talked about it a ton. Minimal deck building, but you're basically using these cards to select actions. And then there's this thing of like, you want to use your cards, but then also to use your cards, you're kind of like, and get resources. But then to gain more cards, you're kind of like giving up getting resources for a round. So it's like, it costs you a little something. So it's like balancing getting better cards, which you know is going to help you in the long term with getting those things that you want right away. And then like if you don't get those things early on in the game, like those settlements and ways to get, you know, resources and things, then you won't be able to get them as well later in the game. So that blows. But then also if you don't get cards, you lose out on having second cards or more powerful versions of cards. Plus, that's really how you get a lot of victory points. So 
just balancing all those things together, plus the fact that the rules are so simple. It's like, hey, here's your cards. We're going to look at what each one of these cards does. That's it. Play one of those cards and do what that card says. That's how you play the game. And it's that easy to explain. And I think you seriously can explain this game in maybe 10 minutes. Um, and then it's just a wonderful game that has like so much replay value. It's just so good. Awesome game. Love it so much. Jason, what was your 2013 game? Uh, my 2013 game is also Concordia. Oh, surprise. Uh, but I was actually, I thought about putting something else down as well. I almost put Viticulture down because hmm. I do really like Viticulture. But I went with Concordia because it was higher on my top 100. All the things you said, the card mechanism for this game is amazing. The play is so streamlined. Like, it's pretty much the perfect Euro in my opinion. I mean, I like others better, but this one does it probably as good as you can do it. So 2013 for me, Concordia. Attaboy. Very good. Uh, 2014, Jason, we're zipping right through these. Uh, so the second highest game for that year was Star Wars Imperial Assault, which was a big deal. Still is a big deal. People like this game still, um, especially now that it has an app that can play as the Game Master. It's basically the descent system in space with Star Wars. Crazy to think Star Wars has been an FFG thing for this long. But I think X-Wing even goes back further than this. So they are way into Star Wars. So the game that's not Star Wars that's a little higher in 2014 is Orleone. Number 26, it's a bag-building game where you're drawing chits out of a bag and then deciding how you want to program those chits, basically, to do different actions and get better chits and more chits and travel around a map and get goods and points. Um, basically drawing things out of a bag, programming them onto a player board to get your actions to fire. They, they, they get your actions to fire the way you want them to fire. Uh, that's the, that's the top game from 2014, Orleone. Also my top game from 2014, Orleone. Uh, it may or may not be my top game in 2014 as well, Orleone. Oh, it may. It definitely is. <laughs> it is. Yes. <laughs> Just a cool draw stuff out of a bag and program it game. Uh, yeah. if you haven't played it, you should really, it's very good. It's amazing it- for sure. It actually has better legs, I think, than Altiplano, the game that, like everyone said, is going to replace it. So I think people are still talking about Orleone. I think Altiplano cooled quite a bit. Altiplano is fine, but, and I own it. It's in my collection, but I think Orleone's probably the better game still. So, uh, and I know you'd agree with that too, probably. For sure. I haven't played Altiplano, but some of the stuff I've seen, I like some of the stuff that Orleone does better. Yeah. Uh, it's just more straightforward, for sure. Altiplano has, like, I don't know, there's, it's not real obvious how to get points. Uh, 2015. Halfway point. Getting there. Pandemic Legacy 2. So this is like the beginning of the end. Like, I don't like Legacy games. I don't think I've kept that too secret. There's like one Legacy game that I really enjoy, and that's Aeons and Legacy. Other than that, I'm just kind of like, eh, I bought them. Because they're so hard to keep track of, and you have to find the same group to play them, and then you always have one person fizzle out, and you end up taking a year to play a game with like six, eight weeks between plays where you have to like do a ton of research to try and remember where you were at. So all the Legacy games... Not a huge fan. I think we're seeing them cool off a little bit, too, to be honest. Um, so, Pandemic Legacy uh, 2, I think. Or no, Pandemic Legacy, not 2. That is a thing. But Pandemic <laughs> Legacy is the second highest game, and it's from 2015. I had Pandemic Legacy for a while, but I only ever used it to play regular Pandemic on. <laughs> That's funny. I, I played like the first four sessions on it. And then I was like, oh, man, I'm not going to get my wife and son to play this. So then I, like, soloed the rest of it just to experience it. And I was like, okay, there was some really cool stuff there that if I had had opportunity to, like, be like, whoa, this thing happens with a group, that would have been really mind-blowing. And I understand why it's so high. But the fact that the things I just said about Legacy Games, I still stand by. 
My my 2015 game though is Voyages of Marco Polo. Love this game. We've talked about it a ton. You use die, you place them. You can cheat because your player powers are so good. We've talked about it so much. If you're a fan of the show, I'm not going to talk about it anymore. That's just my 2015 game of the of the year. Yeah, I almost picked this one, but I picked a different one, and it is tw- uh, my 2015 game is Trickerian. Um, I just talked about this last week as well. It's a programming game. You're trying to learn tricks, get stuff to make your tricks, perform your tricks, all that stuff, and you want to do that better than everybody else. You can hear more about it last week if you go check that out. So my number, well, my 2015 game is Trickerian. Yeah. 2016, Jason. The number three game overall on Board Game Geek is a game called Terraforming Mars, which I absolutely love, but it's not my favorite game from 2016. Terraforming Mars is basically an engine building game card-driven engine building game where you're terraforming Mars. My top game for 2016, however, is Great Western Trail, which is like kind of a sort of deck building game where you're trying to get diverse cattle in your hand, but then also like tile laying a little bit, like worker placement-y a little bit, walking through a route. Uh, Interesting game overall. I really like it. It's my number one overall game. Great Western Trail. How about you, Jason? Yeah, I do like Great Western Trail. I can I, I considered it, but I didn't. I don't like it as much as the one I picked. And I picked Lorenzo Il Magnifico. I typed Is Magnifico, which I guess is you know, Lorenzo is pretty awesome. Um, so this is a dice placement game, but your dice are represented by little pillars. You're trying to draft these cards to run, get some engines going to score points, get production to get goods. You're transforming goods into other things to get more points. If you like point salad games and you like dice placement, you definitely need to check this one out. And it looks dry and boring, but it's not. So don't let that turn you off. So my number 2016, Lorenzo Il Magnifico. Yeah, good pick. Uh, I really like this game. I hesitated playing it for a long time. Then I traded away for it because I like it so much. So Il Lorenzo, great pick. 2017 was the year of a uh, ventriloquist dummy Dummies, ventriloquist dummy coffin size box, uh, Gloomhaven. Um, you could definitely bury a ventriloquist dummy in that box. You could for sure. Yeah. Uh, Gloomhaven. It's the game that ended all games. Again, some things I don't like about games is fiddly setup and legacy stuff. So this one's kind of got both those things going. The game itself is amazing. I, like I've said before, if I ever win the lottery, I'm going to have a Gloomhaven butler who will set up the game for me and then tear it down for me. And I'll just sit and play it. And if that's the case, I would really love this game. But with me having to uh, have real life happen and only have so much time for board games and having to do reviews and stuff like that, Gloomhaven has a hard time with me. Excellent game, though. I can't objectively say it's a bad game. I think it's an amazing game, and I know that it is, it's, it's a great game for those who like it and those who figured out how to set it up quickly and, and remember where you're at and all the legacy stuff. I know it's an amazing experience. So those who love Gloomhaven, awesome. I am with you. It's a great game, except for it's not my favorite game that year. My favorite game that year, in spite of its terrible money, is Lisboa, um, which has these weird piles of coins for the money, and I <laughs> yeah. just don't like that. It's pretty bad. <laughs> it's it's a card-driven Vidal Lacerda game. You play a card down to one of the piles, and then you get to do a bunch of actions based on that. Um, and then you also could use the cards to tuck. Uh, there's multi-uses for the cards. So it's a lot of cool things with card-driven kind of stuff. I think it was Vidal Lacerda's attempt to make a simple card game. Um, but it's an excellent game. Absolutely love it. Rebuilding the city of Lisboa after there was what, a flood, an earthquake, and fires all at the same time same time that basically leveled the city and they had to rebuild it so um yeah 
that's that's my pick. All right, so my number 27, you already said it, it's Liz Boa. I was actually seeing if there was something else that I liked from that year, but I think uh, Liz Boa is the one that I'm going to keep rolling with. It's a card game, Put, draw a card, play a card. Um, it's going to spawn thousands of other actions you can do. You're trying to get more points than everybody else and build the city better than everybody else. Uh, if you like Vital, this is definitely one you need to check out. Not my favorite Lacerda game, but I do enjoy it quite a bit. So my number, well, my 2017 game, Lisboa. I think it's my favorite at the moment. Um, it's between this and Gallers. I really like Gallers a lot, too. Uh, 2018, so just last year, Brass Birmingham is number five, which feels like a cheat, kind of, because Brass has been around, and this just made Brass a little better. Uh, Root was number 39, and that's really vast, but made better, too. It feels like in some ways. Um, so... Those were the hot games that year. I really like Brass Birmingham, and I'm going to cheat and say it's my favorite from that year. It's brass, but it's got beer. Brass plus beer makes the <laughs> game better. So uh, it's just got some extra stuff in there. It feels like it frees the game up a little bit. Um, just makes it a, mon- ma- a much more fun experience to play. Brass Birmingham 2018, Joel. That's awesome. Yeah, this will be one that I'll have to play with you at some point because it looks interesting. It is. All right, so mine game from 2018 should not be a surprise. It's my number one game of all time, and that is Coimbra. Um, yes. Yeah, technically this could probably fall. No, this is yeah. This came out at Essen in 20, yeah. 2017, I think. So yeah, I, I think I think you were able to buy it at. Um, uh, there were a few copies at Origins 2018. Yes. So yeah, I think it's definitely a 2018 game. Uh, so, yeah, this is my favorite game. It's a dice placement game. You're using that to draft some cards, to build this engine, to move up these tracks, just get money, points, military, and move around this board to spread your seed around. And it's it doesn't look like a Euro game. It doesn't look like it sh- plays the way it is. So that's kind of interesting. We talked about that last week. But another game that I wanted to mention that's an honorable mention, which you set up top, is Quacks of Quedlinburg. Uh, mm. This game is fantastic. It's becoming one of my most played games. I love it. I love Push Your Luck. I love drawing stuff out of a bag. Um, So, yeah, those are my two favorite games of 2018. Yeah. um, So, I don't know if Quacks qualifies, if it was an SM release or not. It might have been before SM, but we'll we'll have to to figure that out. It had a date in BGG of 2018, so it could actually qualify for 2019, too. I don't don't know 100%. Don't know what you actually said, but at one point it sounded like you said you're spreading your seed around. (laughs) Which I don't think is what you said, but it is what I said, and I probably shouldn't have. <laughs> hey, fair enough, bud. Uh, I mean, it was probably happening too. I mean, if they're yeah. going around from town to town, they probably, you know, met some ladies along the way. I guess. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> P- put them in the family. That's fair. Uh, all right, this feels like an express episode, man. We uh, we're we're under an hour. That's feels kind of good, actually. Uh, those long boy episodes that we've been doing, boy, they're barely something, aren't they? <laughs> they, um, were, they were a pain to edit too. That's for sure. <laughs> yes, they were long. Well, we're back to the days of easy edits and and loose talk about <laughs> seed spreading. <laughs> chia pet, buddy. Just a chia pet game. Oh, uh, uh, yep. So, 
2019, our top 10 of that. And we might just do five because, boy, that sounds better, doesn't it, to do our top five? Because I don't want to put games that I don't think are awesome. And I'm not positive I have 10 awesome games from 2019 yet in my brain. So maybe our top fives of 2019 happens next week. Um, I, does that feel good, top five, Jason? Yeah, I like that. I can come up with five probably pretty easily. We do our, our podcast production right out there in front, too. <laughs> yep. So some some quick stuff that came out in 2019. Uh, Wingspan, Lord of the Rings, Journeys in Middle Earth. have not played that one, so that one's not going to make the list for me. Uh, Marvel Champions, the card game, Tapestry, Res Arcana. haven't played that one, but I mean, man, I hear it's really good. Res Arcana, it, it is really good. PAX Premier. Uh, I really want to play it, but boy, I can't find a copy and... Yeah, it sure is hot right now. Uh, Tainted Grail, no, no thanks. Parks, Sorry man, parks. That. Yeah, Tiny Towns, Escape Plan, uh, Ants and Legacy was that year. Paladins, um, Horrified. A lot of games came out this year. So, and if we go back to S in 2018, we're going to be looking at some other games. City of the Big Shoulders may make my list just based on if you paid attention to my top 100. Um, <laughs> it, so It should make your list. I think. I don't. Probably. So, at any rate, tune in next week. We'll give you our top fives. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, that's that's that, I guess. This has been a quick week. Yep. I, I think we're just excited for Christmas. I mean, we're hungover from Christmas, however you want to yeah, say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're real <laughs> tired. We we had a hard Christmas. So, that's that. Uh, definitely not recording this on a Sunday night, too, after <laughs> we... We kind of both went, oh, crap, when are we going to record? Ah, let's do it in an hour. So that's 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 this episode. Um, you know, I got a little bit of like, I'm freaked out too. Like somebody said this, and I, I think they were sober. They were like, it's my favorite podcast. In reference to our podcast, Jason, like that freaked me out, man. I'm like, that, that's I just, true. I always just kind of assume people just listen to this podcast. Like when they were like, well, I've listened to every other podcast and I'm a long haul trucker. I don't know. I guess this one's one too. So... <laughs> that that was something to hear. I really appreciate all the fans, and it's still been awesome connecting with you guys. Um, so keep keep gaming, keep contributing, and I've been Joel. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming.